Welcome back to Conversations at Midnight. And we're jumping right into where we left off. Black magic, things of that nature. The witches, skinwalkers, anything in between. Without a further ado, I'm not going to waste any time. Let's get right into this. So I last left off at the idea of a witch. Now I'm going to give the disclaimer one more time. Mainly because I don't like saying to listen back to my last episode. I don't know. If you want to, that's, uh, that, that's up to you. If you don't want to, the disclaimer was, when I say witch, I do not mean anything about the Wiccans or any practitioner close to that. I've known many people who practice the Wiccan arts, if you will. And most of them are great people. But I do not think, I do not believe that what a witch that was perceived back then is the same witch that is perceived now. Does that make sense? I think that whatever existed then and whatever existed now are two different sports, two different categories. And I mean this with all due respect, but I've never met a Wiccan who could do the things that these stories say. An example being the Witch of Yazoo, where she said on the month, day, year in which she was going to burn the town down after her death. And on that month, on that day, on that year, she succeeded. It happened. Now, whether it was her or not, I'm sure I don't know. But point being is that I have never met anybody who practiced the Wiccan way and done that. So, I last left off when it came to witches and Navajo skinwalkers, which is a type of witch, a type of shaman, if you will. And I was reminiscing about things in my childhood. Now, I'm not saying that Santeria is black magic. I'm not going to say the entirety of it. I'm sure some people will disagree with me or anything. But if anything, I do believe that people use it for dark ways for the dark arts. I'll give you an example. I grew up in South Florida, as you know, and for a brief spell of my life, I lived in a place called Hialeah. Now, if anybody's listening and they're from Florida, Hialeah is uh, really dense with Hispanic culture. A lot of Hispanics moved there, and that's, that's where they came to stay. And there were a few times where if I walked down the street to a friend's house or went down the street to the convenience store to buy myself an energy drink or anything of that nature, from time to time there would be these little brown bags, these little brown paper bags. And I know it's like, don't tell me that you actually grabbed it and looked at it. I was young. I had to be 13, 12 at the time. And so I kept seeing these bags and I got really curious one day. And I thought, next time I see a bag, I'm, I'm going to open it. So I went to a church. There's this church where everybody was playing uh, sports. And I didn't play any sports, but a member of my family did. So I, I had to tag along with him. So he went, and I was outside being a kid, playing in the dirt, in the grass. And lo and behold, there's a bag. And I thought, well, went in Rome. And on top of that, you know, somewhere in my childlike mind, I thought, 
you know, it would be like these cool little spooky moments where it would be like a human finger and then I get to call the cops and then we have a mystery on our hands, you know? You know how kids think about that? But let's just say in reality, if there really was a finger in there, I'd probably run and cry. Kids are weird like that. I don't know why. I, at least I was. I was weird like that. I didn't even think about the reality of things as a kid. But, you know, that's what a kid does. You know, you don't really think about the reality. So I see the brown paper bag and I think to myself, this is this is my time to shine. So I walk over to the brown paper bag. I pick it up. I open it and I look inside. I couldn't tell really what was in there. So I kind of ripped the brown paper bag more and I see a piece of coconut. There was like a chunk of coconut that was cut in a certain way. And you could tell that one half of it was like broken. And I moved the coconut out of the way. And I, I thank goodness I had this thought in my head, but I had a stick in my hand, like a little twig. So I was moving the bits with, with the twig. I didn't, I didn't touch it with my fingers at all. The only thing I did touch with my fingers was the bag itself when I was ripping it. So I take this twig and I nudge the coconut out of the way. And there's a pigeon, a dead pigeon in the brown paper bag. And it was decapitated. Its head was next to its body. So I threw the bag. <laughs> I threw it. I threw it and I ran, man. I, I took off. It really started to, it really sparked my, my curiosity. And I couldn't help myself. So as a kid, naturally, I'm curious and I want to learn more. So I start asking around. I start asking the locals around or any old person that would talk to me or anything like that. And a lot of them would tell me, oh, just go home. <laughs> don't, don't talk about it. And I thought, well, what is it that's so bad? So one day I started talking to my mom. And she goes, you know, I actually have a few friends who dabble in certain things. I'm going to find out for you. So like a week or two later, I remind her of and she goes, oh, yeah, I totally forgot to tell you. Uh, a good few friends of mine who practice in Santeria tell me that that is Santeria work. And, but they said that they don't like to deal with animals. So anyone that's dealing with animals, uh, they mean serious business. Now, I'm not saying this to spread any false rumors about Santeria, if anyone practices them or anything like that. I'm just saying that that's what happened to my story. And there have been few people who I have met who have also said, yeah, this is some Santeria stuff. So whether it's, you know, whether it is or it isn't, this is what happened. Fast forward a few years, I moved near Biscayne. And uh, I, was, I was actually, I don't live there anymore, um, but I lived in an apartment building on 135th in Biscayne. Really liked the area, really nice area. But I continued, uh, I continued my adventures as a youth, obviously. And down the street from where I lived in this apartment building, there was this, it was like a, we, we called it the trails, but it was just this bike path, a bicycle path that you could take as a means to get to the nearby college. I believe it was FSU, but the North Campus, if I'm not mistaken, or FIU, one of those. I digress. Every day, and it was like the six-mile walk, and I did it every day. Continuously, just walking. It was my daily routine. No matter if it rained, no matter what, I, I went and I did it. 
even to the point where I just, I was borrowing someone's longboard at some point. I don't know. I forgot who it was. But I would just ride this longboard down the six-mile path, and I would love it. Well, one day I'm walking through through the trails, and at the time, I don't know if it's changed. I have no idea. I've heard different rumors that it's much different now or it's the same. Or I don't know. But when I was, when that was my spot, when that was, when that was my go-to place to escape the world, there were a lot of trees there and it was lush with trees. It was beautiful, gorgeous. Oh, and there's pockets within the trail where you could just see the ocean and you can see these big old ships moving in and out of the coast and it was beautiful. And it was green. And it was nice. I will always appreciate that time in my life. It, 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 it was something, it was so beautiful to me. But I, you know, I, I had these little pockets where you could see the ocean. And I thought, I wonder, I wonder if the trails has more secrets like this. I wonder if the trails have more oomph. And lo and behold, uh, to, my, to my discovery, it did. It had these beautiful streams in it, um, and it was just it, it was just something that you can't. It was it was breathtaking. It was one of those spots where you knew that you were in the presence of beauty. And I started to go to these spots a lot after the, I discovered them, and obviously people have discovered them long before me because from time to time I'd see like a bra. <laughs> Some panties, you know, things of that nature. Some beer bottles and whatnot. But I, um, one day I was cutting through to get to a stream. And there's this tree, okay. And I, and I, I mean, it was a, it was a nice looking tree. Average. I, you know, it wasn't anything special. It wasn't this giant tree that had some sort of aura to it. It was just. But it stood out. You, you could just tell. And I can't explain that part. And I was cutting through. I was moving these like. Little branches and stuff out of my way. I was moving the leaves out of my face. And as I was leaning around the tree. I looked down. And at the base of the tree. I see a bowl. With pennies in it. Just pennies. So I stop and I, and then I just start to look around the bowl and there are so many little trinkets, these little things around the bowl. And one of them, one of these things, one of these little trinkets, it was uh, screwed into the tree. It was, it was a half a moon with a face on it. I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, like that classic old school the vintage looking thing where it's the moon and you see like half of the face because it looks like the face is looking off to the distance. So you just see like its left eye, half of its smile, you know, like that. So it was that half moon and there was fruit all around it and there was more money. And it was actually near Halloween. This, this was in mid-October. So I think there was like a week left till Halloween started. Oh, in the year. Oh my gosh. 
This had to be back in uh, 2013, maybe. Maybe 20, I think it was 2012. I believe it was 2012. But I see, I see all these trinkets and all these things, and I thought, oh my gosh. So I pulled out this, um, this, this iPhone. It wasn't working or anything. Like, I, I didn't have any service on it. I just used it for music. And, but I snapped a picture of it. And I went along my walk. I go back home. I show my mom and I go, what the heck is this? So my mom sends it to, she sends the image to a few of her friends. And a few of her friends write back. That's Santeria. And she says around every major holiday, most Santeria people, they do their own thing. You know, they have their own little thing. If that makes any sense, they have their own. Um, I don't. I don't want to say sacker offerings. They have their own offerings to whatever they believe in, I suppose. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, the uh, the Santeria belief is that they they believe in different gods. And so I suppose it around that holiday it'll be to who that God that they had in their mind in particular. I'm saying this because, and this is where I don't mean to offend, but I feel like, I feel like m most moments when, when that is involved, it can get pretty dark. Later on, this was um, probably about two days after Halloween, I had a friend come over. To my apartment. And if he's listening to this. I'm sure he has a smile on his face. I, I, I don't know. But he looked at me and he went. Hey let, let's go walk that. That path. That's near your house. And the sun was going down. It was. Uh, it was dusk. So we, we. We thought about this crazy idea. Where we thought. Hey let's go walk down that path. All six miles and back. So we thought, oh, well, I mean, you know, sure, let's do it. And we walked and we got to the entrance. And we stared at the entrance. And him and I both saw this shadow man. I, I don't really know how to explain it. it. It wasn't anything like what my friend said in a few of those episodes back. Where he said that it was... The darker than dark, blacker than black. It wasn't anything like that. He was kind of transparent. But I, but him and I saw this shadow person walk from the right side across the trail, walk from left to right. Oh, I'm sorry, from right to left. I apologize, from right to left towards where I saw the offerings. And my friend said, what the heck was that? And I told him a little bit about what I saw. And he goes, no way. And we got the heck out of there. Now this is... I'm bringing this up. This whole story. This whole 17 minute hoopla that I dragged you through. I'm saying it because... A part of me believes that if... If there is some sort of magic happening. If there is some sort of ritual-like 
routine. I feel like there's always some sort of entity that gets conjured, that gets summoned, that gets brought into it. That's why I have a hard time with certain beliefs where, you know, I'm sure that most people have a good intention, but I think that they don't know what they get themselves into. I'll share you another story. I knew this man, great guy, we still keep in touch, um, truly has a special place in my heart. I don't know if he wants me to say his name, because uh, he's pretty shy like that, so in this case I'll just say, um, um, let's call him 07. <laughs> um, that's like his code, 07. But, but one day 07 and I are having a conversation. And we, we somehow got onto the subject of entities and dark things, spirits, things along, you know, along that path, if you will, you know, things close to that topic. And he tells me about his mother. He's from Peru. Zero Seven is from Peru. He grew up in Peru and then he moved to Florida when he was about eight or seven. But he told me about his mother, who she had a friend, and he grew up in Lima. So I'm assuming that this is in Lima, Peru. But he said that when, when his mom was in her youth, late teens, if you will, uh, you know, around that time, that she had a group of gal pals. And they all would love to hang out with each other, and they all had a great time, and they enjoyed each other's company. She said that one of her friends started dipping into uh, the supernatural. Or rather, I'm so sorry, the paranormal. And she would tell her friends that, hey, you know, the, the other day I learned this new incantation. And her friends would be like, hey, you know, you should probably really stop doing that, you know, because that's not, that's not healthy, that's not kosher. And she would tell him, no, no, you know, it's okay, it's fine. Well, one day, they all go to the friend's house, uh, the one who has been dipping into the dark stuff. And they go to her friend's house, and they go, hey, what's up? Hey, let's go, let's go to this cool little party that, that so-and-so had. She goes, actually, you know what, I think, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna stay. Well, Why? And she brought up the spirits. And the thing about the spirits is that she always... Here's a little detail that I left out. Apparently she would always bring that up. Oh, well, well, the spirits told me this. The spirits told me that. Oh, the spirits told me I shouldn't be doing this, so I'm not. So when they ask her to go to the party, she goes, No, I, no I'm going to stay here because the spirits, the spirits don't want me to leave. Someone in that group, not Zero Seven's mother, but someone within that group was like, Hey, you know, this isn't healthy anymore. What do you mean the spirits? What do you mean this? And what are you saying that they don't want you to leave? Like this sounds a little controlling. And then this little this little debate happened. They went back and forth on it and I and I don't remember if it was 07's mother or somebody else, but someone told her, "Listen, you keep talking about these spirits. You you keep talking about this, that, and the other, and these incantations and the rituals that you're doing. How about you prove it to us? Prove us that these spirits are real. 
And she goes, um, okay. And they were, at this point, they were standing in, in the kitchen. Okay. They were standing in the kitchen and there was a spoon on the kitchen table. And someone from the group noticed that the friend was looking at the spoon. So they jumped in and said, look, okay, how about you tell your spirits to move that spoon? She goes, okay. Zero Seven's mother says, as soon as she went, okay, can you move the spoon? She says, as soon as she got done with that sentence, now, and I'm not talking about 10 seconds after or three seconds, because you know, like those moments where it's like, can you, if there's a ghost in here, can you make a sound? <gasps> and it's like 30 seconds go by and then you hear a click. Oh my gosh, it's haunted. No, no, no. We're, we're not talking about those seconds. We're talking as soon as she got done with the sentence. The spoon slides right off the table. There was no, it wasn't an incline. It wasn't the, no. She says, okay, sure. As soon as she said, hey, can you move the spoon? Boom. It just moves. Slides right off. In fact, I'm sure some people might say it flew off the table. They all ran out of the house except for the woman who owned the house. But they all left the house. And never hung out with her again. In South American culture, they're pretty intense on it. Although I will say now, with the newer generations, and it's not just for that area of the planet, it's just this new generation in general of the planet, it's becoming more and more common for them to practice that, especially openly. A lot of people are really open about their practices and their rituals and their incantations. From time to time, I see some ads where I, I seriously saw one where it was like, come, come join us where, where we sacrifice a chicken in the basement. And I'm thinking, oh my, the most exciting thing that we could do with each other was play Xbox till 2 a.m. Now these kids are talking about sacrificing a chicken. <laughs> I guess I'm boring. I don't know, but that's a little much for me. But I digress. I'm saying this because there's this common thing where people, when, when they start to dip into it, when they start testing the waters, it's like they get coaxed. They get convinced that, hey, hey, you know what? This isn't so bad. I like this. And last episode, I was talking about that trade. When you trade to not be human anymore. Now, I'm not saying that Zero Seven's mother's friend stopped being human in that moment. No. But I think it's safe to say if she continued going down that path, she would soon find out she's the only one walking it. Somewhere along that line, whatever that entity is, that exists on the other plane, I'm sure would have demanded more. You know, a lot of a lot of things with humans is power for money, right? You know, you see it in movies or TV shows or you read it in books where people will give power for money or money for power. And I'm saying that because I feel like 
Whenever you enter that realm of the occult, whenever you enter that side of the dark arts, I feel like somewhere along the line is that trade power for you. Power for something, you know? Power for essence. There's power for blank. You know, there's there's something that gets traded. There's something that gets flip-flopped. I don't know if that makes sense, uh, but, you know, there is that trade. There is that swap. And it's disturbing. One of the things that is interesting to me is the story of the Wendigo. Now, there's a bunch of different stories and different twists. Um, there's some versions of the story of the Wendigo that he is made of ice. Or that he is genuinely heartless. Like, there's nothing there in his chest. Kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean's Davy Jones. Where it's just, it's just not there. Whatever version exists, let's put it aside. I'm just going to give you all the standard bare bones version of the of the story the gist if you will the story of the wendigo is a native american tale of a creature that is no longer human but once was it they were former human but they turned into this hellacious monster under the fact that they got lost in cannibalism. It became an addiction. It became an appetite that could not be satisfied. And the tale is, is they roam the woods, searching, hunting, for any poor soul that had the misfortune of crossing paths with them. And of course, that person would be eaten by this creature with never-ending hunger. And there's different descriptions of the Wendigo. Uh, some people say it's half animal, half man. It has like the head of a moose and the body of a man, or it has the, the, the top half of a goat porcupine. <laughs> I'm not sure. There, and I, I say that because there's some... Uh, there's some descriptions that 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 are used where it shows this man thing and it has like the head of a ram but its back has quills on it i don't know well what i'm trying to say is, is i don't believe that i don't if we're going off of what this lore is or you know what the idea is it's someone that was human that has now become this disgusting creature due to cannibalism i don't see where the transformation between human and animal comes into play one of the best descriptions i ever heard of the wendigo by a native american he was cherokee he told me that the wendigo is a human or a humanoid mentally they may not be human but physically they look pretty human with a few different things about them, but for the most part, they're human. But they wear the skull of an animal. Doesn't matter the animal. They wear the skull of an animal. 
to me, that that makes sense the most. The other little things that you can tell it's not entirely a normal person is that the hands, the hands are usually banged up, uh, scabbed, cut, bruised, tattered. The fingernails are grown out. Things like that, you know. But for the most part, no, it's legs didn't morph to the anatomy of that of a horse. I don't see I, I don't see where that <laughs> where that fits in, you know. And excuse me for the chuckle, it's just I found it humorous that I'm talking about realism, about a folklore. But all these descriptions, no, I, I, I just I just don't agree with it. But I'm saying it. <clears throat> I bring up the idea of the Wendigo because just like everything else the common trait is that it once was considered human man or woman and it gave up something about itself for more and that lining that thing that it gave up was its humanity that thing that it tossed away human is what it would have been accepted by other humans and that it's and that's its humanity maybe it's possible maybe it's possible that the wendigo is something that of black magic is it is it possible that someone put a curse upon whoever the wendigo is because they obtain this insatiable appetite for human flesh. And they demand more. They crave it. There are many things that line up in certain ways that you can create a whole bunch of theories. But one of the common things that I keep seeing with all, with most of things that involve black magic is that you give up yourself. And I'm sorry I, I've said this already for the fifth time. It's just that's something that, that I think should be really pointed out. I'll read you a I'll, I'll read you a story I found on the internet. Once again I am on uh, Legends of America. Which, let me tell you something about thelegendsofamerica.com. I started doing some research because the last time I was on it, I still didn't know who owned it, who posts the articles, etc., etc. I decided to take a look around and I found out that Kathy Weiser Alexander is the woman in charge. This is her site. This is her love child. And I think she's done a great job. And I think it's sensational. Really, please, go ahead and check out the website. I have no affiliation with her, although I would like to. I would love to have an interview with her for the podcast. But I have no affiliation with her. I don't know her. She doesn't know me. But her website is, is oh, it's just so nice. It's, it's really neat. I, I really enjoy it. 
But she has a story on the website under the Legends, Ghosts, and Mysteries tabs. If you would love to read along with me, absolutely. Legends, Ghosts, and Mysteries. Under that tab is Witchcraft in America. And she has a story. Las Brujas in Seville, California. Brujas mean witches. And this story is told by Ruth E. Padilla. Okay? So if you want to read along, here we go. And the story goes as told by Ruth E. Padilla. Long ago, during the late 1950s, my family lived in a small town called Seville, located 40 miles west of Sequoia National Park in California. The town had been booming, with the railroad running through it, but had long since burned down, leaving only small shacks for homes. We were a hard-working migrant family and settled in Seville to pick cotton and grapes. Soon after we arrived, we were told by several local families that in addition to a few migrant families living in the shack homes, Seville was also called a home to several local witches. According to our neighbors, these Las Brujas would appear on the first moon of the month to fight each other to see who had the most power. On the night of the first full moon, we could hear our neighbors, the vecinos, outside talking about the witches. Soon, we gathered up and joined them, fully anticipating to see some ugly women fighting. We waited and watched late into the night without seeing anything, when suddenly two balls of fire appeared high up in the air. Standing between my mother's legs, I watched in awe as the two burning flames bounced back and forth across the sky, often colliding with each other. We were told by the neighbors that the blazing orbs would continue to do battle until one of the witches would exhaust its power and fall from the sky. I became frightened and prayed the witches would keep their distance. Finally, when my fear overwhelmed me, I begged my mother to take me inside the house, not staying to watch the dying ember fall from the night above. I have never experienced this incident again, but I have been told that practice continues to exist in places that witches make their home. This is not a folklore story, but a factual story. That is Ruth E. Padilla in September 2004. Who wrote that? Get a load of that. Claiming that two witches, or something, two balls of fire, battling it out in the night above. I read that story because just like the witch of Yazoo, it involved the conjuring of fire. It involved some entity, some person, with the capability of controlling an element. In this case, they were controlling fire. 
in the case of the Witch of Yazoo, there were two elements that were involved in play. Fire and wind. Now, I'm sure some people will argue with the story that I just read that it could have been UFOs or it could have been... And that's true. I'm not going to deny you that. That's very true. But let's say that it is real. We're going back to the what-if game, as usual. Let's say that it was real. What the heck was that? What was that? Seriously, if it, if it wasn't a plane, and if it wasn't an alien, what was it? How would they know that it's witches? Unless someone did some sort of digging. That's the thing. There's always this constant, never-ending idea that a witch is there. And I'm going to bring this up. I, I, I didn't want to, but I'm going to just to throw in my two cents and then walk away. The Salem Witch Trials. I know, I know. Here we go. But the Salem Witch Trials. My thoughts, my, my idea of it is, I know that there's this ongoing argument that Oh, innocent people weren't killed. Those really were witches. And some people were saying, no, no, they all were innocent. No such thing. Whatnot. I think it's half and half. I think that there is a gray area. I think that it started somewhere. I think someone saw something. Someone, someone witnessed something. And then eventually a word was passed down where people started hearing it and people, you know, and it was just that snowball effect of, wait a minute, I saw Janice praying to that tree too. You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's what they do, but you know, I'm just saying stuff. And it's like, yeah, I saw her shaking that twig, licking the mistletoe. And that was weird. And that was the same day that my dog Jasper went missing. You know, it's, I could totally see that happening. And this is and this is what I think. I think a good chunk of these women that were burned at the stake there. I don't think that they were the witches. I don't think that they were. I think what had happened is they were friends of those witches. They may not have practiced, but they may have been around for it. They may have witnessed some dark stuff go on. And I think that before anything happened, their, their, their friend, that witch, left town, packed up and left. And you were guilty by association. Just like that. I think that's what it was. I think the moment was like, wait a minute, what happened to Kathy? Kathy's gone. She left in, in, in the middle of the night last night. Oh, darn. But her friend, Lauren, is still here. And if Kathy was doing it, then Lauren surely must have been sacrificing that cat. Treating it like a pinata. And then they get, they get Lauren. She's begging for her life that she wasn't a part of it. And then they roast her. They treat her like a rotisserie chicken. Because she was guilty by association. Let that sink in. But that's my view. That's how I view the Salem Witch Trials. 
is I think that there's there's a gray area. I think that some witches were found and killed, and then the others went on and left. Look at the witch of Yazoo. And who's to say during that time that witches were only in Salem? No, there must have been more around. And how many of their offspring have been taught those arts, that dark art, that evil way? And I'm talking the genuine stuff, that real, real, that battling it out in the sky type arts. The I'm going to burn this town to the ground in 10 years type of art. I'm not talking getting a pentagram tattoo on you, and I don't mean any offense by that. I'm just, you know, I'm not talking about those. If that is your provocative, more power to you. If you if you practice it, cool. Once again, I know many people who do that. Congratulations. Most of you guys are great people. But there is more and darker than what is being presented in the mainstream. There is a pattern of darkness. Have you guys ever seen this uh, this? viral thing going on on the internet it started off on that app tiktok where it was a gentleman in his house hearing his own voice being spoken back to him now i've heard several different theories or i i seen them in the comments and whatnot or but i don't i i can't explain it but let's say that it's fake man that's a good fake but a part of me just goes, man, I that like that video gives off this feeling to me that I don't like. It's it, it's a dark, dark thing. But people are saying that it's a skinwalker because apparently skinwalkers can mimic voices. They can sound like somebody else, and but it sounds different and odd. And I've known, I actually known uh, about two, three people here in Utah that have experienced the same thing, where they went camping in Moab, or they cross over the border to Colorado, and they're in the middle of the woods, and they hear their friend calling out to them. But there's that video of that man, where he hears his own voice, and he, and he recorded it. And there's other videos where people are saying that, they're, that they experienced the same thing, but you could tell that, that it was a speaker. This one... That original one, I don't know what the heck that was. But it's something. It's there. And that's and that's the other thing that disturbs me. What what is it that what authority gave you that ability to mimic any voice? Assuming that it is a skinwalker, what authority gave you that ability? To change into a different animal. That's disturbing. And I'm not trying to get religious or anything. Because I, I, I'm not. I'm not a religious person. But if Satan is real. Then that's the only authority in my brain that makes sense. And it doesn't have to be Satan. The guy with the horns and the tail. It could be anything. It could be any entity that is just full of negativity that insists on turning you into what it has to go through, which is just misery. 
He wants you to be as miserable as it. Please, if you if you have any any stories of your own, if you have anything, once again, you can email a, your story. You can write it out to me at stories at midnight at yahoo.com. Stories, S-T-O-R-I-E-S, A-T-M-I-D-N-I-G-H-T, at yahoo.com. Please, send me your stories. I would love to read them. I would greatly appreciate it. It would appear that this is the end of the topic, at least for now, for dark arts, black magic. This was more of a closing podcast for it. I hope it was enjoyable, but this was uh, this was more of a way to close it. Already, I'm gonna I'm gonna share something. I um, I have no advertisements for the podcast. I put nothing up. I'm sure I've said this already in the episodes before. But I put up no advertisements, no no posts, n- nothing. This this podcast is entirely underground. It's entirely quiet. And the only way that people find out is either through searching, luck, or it's being shared by others. So, I'm saying this because as impressive to me it's impressive but i have just about hit a hundred downloads on my podcast and to me that's i find that really cool so i'm i guess i'm growing (laughs) and that's really neat that's really neat to to say that um uh, yeah, as of right now, I'm at 95 all-time downloads, and I I have listeners in many different parts of the world. Obviously, my number one is in the United States, but I have a few in Canada, a few in Europe, two in Brazil, and one in Malaysia. So I'm bring I'm being shared solely by either being searched or word of mouth. And I think that's really neat. And I guess that kind of goes with what I'm trying to say. And that is, this is a place where we forget about what's happening outside. You know, we forget about the weird things. And I'm not talking about the weird things that I talk about. I'm talking about the uncomfortable things. The politics, the garbage, the that I listen. If you don't want to hear that twenty four seven and you want to escape, there's nothing wrong with coming here. Consider like entering a room. When you walk through that door, you forget about everything else. Take your jacket off. Take your shoes off. Sit down. Come, come have that conversation with me. I, I get it. In fact, that's how I got into all this stuff when I was a kid. I was going through a lot as a child. And this stuff was so entertaining to the point that I was it, it was my escape. I read a lot into this. And if you talk to most people in my family, they'll tell you that I was a weird kid. I would wear like shirts with skulls on it and all that. And I and I'm not talking about like 
gothic. I'm talking weird things. I was I was a weirdo, even though I don't look like it anymore. I look like your average Joe. A pair of jeans a je- and a hoodie. <laughs> anyway. Although I do have a liking for corduroy. I digress. Please. Please, when you when you come here, everything stays outside. Everything. Who cares who you voted for? Who cares what you like, what you don't like? When you come here, we're all on the same boat on this one. No one's above, no one's below. And it's and it should stay like that. So I'm growing. And each member that has that gets added, each fellow listener that gets tossed into the mix, they're one of you. And they're one of me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. It has been a great topic to discuss. I love talking about this stuff. It's almost an addiction to keep making more episodes. So I hope I'm in this for the long haul with you all. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking an hour out of your day. Or night. To take a listen to me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Please take care. This has been Conversations at Midnight. God bless you.